Konnichiwa. And howdy y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to Sumo, sumo Kaboom, where we talk about all things sumo. And we're getting a little random this week. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a special story about firemen and sumo wrestlers, the exact two guys you want on your wall calendar every year. It's a great story. That's what I'm going to share. And I don't know anything about this so this will be brand new for me as well i have no idea what it's referencing but i'm on board for whatever it is and i'm going to just give you a little bit of news but also i looked into a little a little something that i was curious about so that's vague but here it goes you know that's what this (laughs) really this whole episode is all about is us just following those little flights of fancy that we get because sometimes you know like a clear idea does not come down from heaven and we go what are we going to talk about let's just talk about something that's interesting to each of us that's true and then we meet in the middle right well and yesterday i was at work and uh i had people on our lunch break who were asking me about sumo people who don't know anything about sumo they were they were yeah that's always exciting yeah and they got in they had lots of questions and they got in there and asked some weird questions but it did get me thinking about all the different ways people see sumo wrestlers and uh and the fandom that we all have for it and i was like there's a lot of people with questions out there that don't really know anything about sumo but if you start giving them the history and the culture of all the little things that go on in sumo and the events surrounding it then it's kind of interesting stuff so i'm i'm kind of going down that rabbit hole a little bit of telling you about a little bit of a ceremony that i had no idea about until this week when i was reading in the sumo news okay cool before you get there i just want to say thank you to all of you who have been emailing us we got some great emails last week there's just as many people fascinated with sumo jammies as we are we <laughs> are going to get down to the bottom of sumo jammies it's on our list i have some i have a little bit of research that i did but it didn't lead me far enough to be able to present it and so there's they're really not called sumo jammies but for us i think that's that what they look they like they look like sumo jammies yeah and i'm just <laughs> delighted that there are other people in america who are and all over the world well who knows yeah all over the world who are just as fascinated by those things so we will get down to the bottom of those yeah we're just your home for all things random when it <laughs> so comes keep to sumo sending those random questions We'll do our best to answer them. We love them. But first, Newsflash. So on October the 5th, Teda Nofuji attended an event to bring awareness to para-Olympic or para-sports and people with disabilities. And this happened at the uh, Rogoku station, which is actually a subway station. Could you imagine getting out of the subway station and just seeing like Teda Nofuji downstairs, like shaking hands and giving high in fives? In his mawashi? Uh, not in his mawashi. It was in his yukata. Oh, it was. In his, his robe. Yeah. But he was <sighs> meeting people and he was working with this event. And... What he said is that he wanted to give back because he was really inspired by the wheelchair basketball in last year's Tokyo's uh, Paralympics. Mm-hmm. And he he really used that as a driving force to motivate himself. This is a quote. I want to support people who are working hard without thinking that hardships are hardships. He also played a little bocce ball. Uh, with other athletes. I and, saw that. Yes. I saw pictures of that. Yeah. And even, even though he hadn't really played it before, he got the hang of it and did really well. So I wanted to give a little spotlight to that. These guys are out there doing events every other day. I don't know how they find time to train. Yeah. And actually, he's not really training right now. He's doing events, showing up on tours, but he's not really training right now because, well, his knees are shot. Yeah. And so that's where we're at. But I'll get back to more of that in a bit. Toby Zaru 
is hoping to become no longer the flying monkey, but more like the flying gorilla. And this basically came out of some news where a little kid came up to him, I think at one of the the tours and was like, you're looking a little bit more like a gorilla (laughs) as opposed to a monkey because he's bulking up and he's getting bigger. That's where it comes from. So he's saying he's gradually getting closer to that. And that's what he's aiming for. He wants to work really hard on his pushing and thrusting and he's bulking up. So he's hoping to become that flying gorilla or that flying ape by the time we're in Kyushu. Hopefully we will hear soon that he'll be in Sanyaku. That's what he's aiming for. Yeah. Well, the biggest event this last weekend was Terena Fuji's Yokozuna promotion party. And actually at the party, it was a who's who's event. Mitakiyumi was there mm-hmm. and he was interviewed a little bit and he said he hopes to regain his Ozeki status because this does. next tournament, all he has to do is get 10 wins. So Yeah, because he fell to Sekewake. Yes. So if he gets 10, he gets bumped right back up. Right. So I'm sure he's going to be trying hard for that. Yes. And so it was good to just hear him, you know, speak positively about it and really focus on, on that. Because I think we all do want him to be a Nozaki. He's just been injured. Mm-hmm. So I hope that happens for him. But like I just mentioned, Ted and Fuji had his Yokozuna promotion ceremony. Mitakiyumi was there. Shoda was there. Takakesho. Uh, everyone was there. Uh, there were also other sports figures there, like Olympic gold medalist Shohei Ono, who won in judo. It was just, it was just everybody. Over 1,100 people showed up at the hotel that they had this big event at. So, and I'm sure there were people like me who would have gone if they had received an invite. Well, yes. So and I'm could have been more. Uh, yes. I'm sure, though, it costs something to attend. <laughs> That's okay. I would have paid it. <laughs> There's always a way to spend money in sumo. But um, it was a it was a neat event. I, I couldn't find tons of information on it other than a couple of things that happened. But uh, he was interviewed, and I will kind of wrap up or summarize what he said. And some of these are direct quotes from translation. So take it with a grain of salt, but this is overall what he said. Okay. He said, I can't let this all end here. I still want to aim higher and I want to study how to live as a Yokozuna and do my very best. He really is aiming for even bigger goals. He wants to become a greater Yokozuna. And he said, I have the support of my master, my wife, my roommates, and everyone who has supported me in the past. He still relies on them. And with them, he continues to, you know, he hopes to continue to to be even greater and to aim higher. His coach said that like, his promotion was really unlike anything anyone. It was like a miracle, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, he said some really nice things. Yeah, it, it's just a, a miracle to see somebody achieve that success after falling down into the lowest ranks from an Ozeki status, like, to come back up yeah. and to achieve this status. Now, at the end of the day, his knees are shot. And, of course, whenever he was asked about that, he said, and his coach said, we're going to rely on the experts the assumption kind of from what they're, they're saying is that he is going to have surgery with the best doctors, with every medical <laughs> technology they can use to make it as effective as they need it to be with a quick return, you know. But he's not, again, he's not practicing on it. And so he's also tight-lipped about it. He's not saying when he's having that surgery, but I, I he hasn't had it yet um, since he's on tour, it seems. But uh, I feel like it might be coming soon. But again, he's not really spilling the beans on all that. I liked what the people from the JSA had to say about that, though. 
Because they were saying things like, it's fine if you need to take more time off. Oh, or yeah. just yeah. They were they were so positive. Well, um, and they, they were like, you're have... not you're not going to get blowback from the council. Take the amount yeah. of time that you need because you could potentially have a long reign as Yokozuna. Right. So take the time you need now. Yeah, exactly. They were so positive. Yeah. It was great Which to is hear. unusual, but you know what? There's only one Yokozuna, so. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be real nice. They're going to be nice. If there were four, they might be like, get back to it. But at this point, they're very supportive. And he's been a great Yokozuna. He does have the grace. He does have all of that. So he's been a model Yokozuna. The event had a little ceremony in it, which is called the Kagami Baraki, which is translated as the opening of the mirror. And I wanted to talk, actually, this is a little bit more about what I wanted to chat about, not necessarily about sumo, but when I was researching the event, I was like, I want to look into this and figure out kind of what the history of this event is. And And basically, yes. I just want to say, this is the thing that I talked about last week that started the fan event. And I was like, what are they doing here? I looked it up for the same reason. I'm so glad that you looked it up and are going to present about it. Well, it's a ceremony that... Basically, his master, him, Shodai, Mitakeyumi, and Takakesho all stood around. They have wooden mallets, and they break the top of a cask, a sake cask. And that is meant to symbolize like a tradition of renewal mm-hmm. and rededication and spirit. So, but it is called, like I said, Kagami Biraki, and it is performed at celebratory events when they bash down on the sake barrel it's broken open and now this is also not just with sake casks it's with mochi Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. and it's a tradition that you'll see at a lot of events celebrating the beginning of new things especially the new year and so you see it across japanese culture in different different ways It actually means, kagami means the lid of the sake barrel, Mm -hmm. and biraki means to open. So it literally means opening the lid, Mm -hmm. because the lid is a round shape, and that symbolizes harmony and good fortune. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and they do it at weddings, too. Yeah, weddings, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I went down the rabbit hole of the mochi part. Like, when they do it over New Year, they let, like, the mochi harden to a point, and then they break it, and it shatters into a bunch of different pieces anyway. Ooh, yum. Yeah, uh, you could eat it, but most of the time it's, like, bad. You don't eat it. Lots of times it's more symbolic, I think, today. But anyway. It's, like, really hard taffy? Mm Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I have no idea that. I don't know anything about. But I wanted to give you a little bit of the origin of it, a tiny bit. Cool. In the past, samurai level, you know, households would at New Year's make an offering to the gods and it would be a stack of mochi to represent the gods. And the mochi were cut up into pieces to represent the baraki or opening. So, and they would be eaten on January 11th. So maybe they leave them out earlier, they harden, or it would be chopped up and they eat them. The sweet rice treat. Yeah, Okay. exactly. And um, and in, in the same way with the sake barrel, it's tied to Shinto blessings and celebrations, but it's to grant good health and good fortune. And this tradition has also been taken on a lot in the uh, martial arts world so breaking of the yeah like cask? yeah you see this uh ceremonially a lot in the dojos and karate and judo and so for one reason or another the 
the breaking of the sake really, <laughs> you see that a lot in the world of martial arts. But it started... Is that, is that where the breaking of the wood started with karate, where they were like, hi Maybe. Break the wood in half? Like, maybe. That's on the top of the sake barrel? Maybe. I have no idea. But the fourth... Toku, this is straight from Wikipedia. I'm reading it straight from Wikipedia. The fourth Tokugawa shogun... His name was Tokugawa Letsuna, was the first to hold a Kagami Mochi ceremony 300 years ago. And it was on the eve of war. He gathered his daimyo to his castle and broke open a sake cask. And upon achieving victory, a new tradition was born. So they break open the casket. It symbolizes victorious. And so people say this is so much fun. The breaking of a lid of sake. Let's do it again. I think it's just people who like to bash things. And I mean, really, if somebody gave me a mallet and like, you know how they have those fun rooms where they give you a mallet and a bunch of old TVs and they just say bash the hell out of this crap? I was thinking pinata. Well, yes. We love the pinata. (laughs) Like every kid, even though it's not really from the United States culture, we love the pinatas. I think it's pretty much like all over. People love just bashing stuff, (laughs) right? As long as it's filled with something really good, (laughs) then it's even better. Yeah. Well, um, in Japan, on the in the mochi side of things, this is another tidbit. Mochi is traditionally made at home, and although most people today like ready-made or they buy it ready-made, you don't need a sumo wrestler to make it. No, I thought you needed a I, sumo well, it's wrestler really to make labor it. intensive. I mean, that's if you why have I thought to have... you needed one. Like, you had to have one come over to that's make your mochi. That's a lot of families, like you know, hiring a bunch of like wrestlers to <laughs> smash some mochi. So I get why people are like, let's just gets pre-made mochi <laughs> but they they put it on a stand or on an altar as an offering to the gods on new year's yeah and on january 11th so 10 days later yeah it's broken and um and it's and then, brittle and it cracks and you do what with it oh and it, this one says you are not to cut it with a knife as that is negative connotation so you do not cut with a so knife you, you have to it. smash it and so then, then, and then then you eat it give it to the dog then you <laughs> What do you do with it after you I smash it? I think you eat it. <laughs> okay. But maybe not everybody eats it anymore. I don't, anyway. I don't know about the one on January 11th. I know, but uh, that's the way it goes. But I don't know if I described it really well, but... Um, you did, because I have been curious about that, because I saw it at the fan event. Yeah. And I thought, why do they? Why are they all around the same looking drums with those cool little mallets yeah. and there's water or something flying and, But up. it's not drums. It's sake in there. And then the... the the sake spills out and everyone gets sake. I don't think it like literally spills out because that's a waste, but well, it does fly me- out. It does fly. Yeah. It's meant to be like, everybody, let's get some sake and party. I just never saw any pictures of people drinking from the things and there's not like a keg feature on it. Yeah. So I don't, don't know have... how they get the sake out of the drum. Well, you can. Ladle. You can. <laughs> Actually, I think it is with a little because I did find online you can buy a sake drum with the lid ready to go for your next celebration. Oh. I found this place where you can get it in the U.S. if you want to do that. And they do have ladles that come with it. So you must ladle out the sake and then everybody just gets their own glass or something. Maybe right. everybody gets a Dixie cup. Everybody gets a Dixie cup. And they all try the sake. <laughs> I don't know if they have Dixie cups in Japan. Yeah, I don't know if they have Dixie cups anymore. Speaking of 
<laughs> I also found an image online of Journey in their heyday doing one of these rituals in Japan. They must have been on tour. Whoa. And Steve Perry has one of those hammers in his hand and he's wearing those tight ass pants that he used to wear in the 70s or 80s <laughs> that you love so much. Well, you can tell what side he's dressing on. <laughs> You could definitely see all of Steve Perry's Perry. And he is doing this ceremony, which I thought, oh, that's so... And I'm guessing that's the rest of the band. I never paid any attention to anyone else in Journey. It was only Steve Perry. Um, but well, it's a great photo. I will have to look at that yeah, because... I'll put it in our show notes. Yeah, yeah. I Now I want to have one. We I want to have... But I guess we... Do you know how the French, like... Or you, you can take off with a sword the end of like a champagne bottle like I've never seen that in my life you haven't seen somebody with a sword take off the end of a champagne <laughs> no. bottle and shame goes everywhere no oh i don't know i guess people are just obsessed with blowing crap up i get in texas or busting things open we do not we don't bust anything around i i don't know I'm like do we have any busting holiday really well on new year's we have those crackers that you that you pull apart those and then they that just make trash that make trash and yeah. they have a crown in them and a toy yeah those things but it's not quite the same it's not the we same we just eat a lot of guacamole that's yeah. what we do we need to adopt some of these traditions though because i want to go to japan and bust open a a of jug sake. of sake yeah and say drink my friends drink. let's celebrate celebrate in victory yes i love it i love it Okay, I'm going down a different road. I'm going to tell you the story of the May Brigade Riot of 1805. 1805. Yeah, and this comes from... I was doing a lot of searching. Okay, so just to be real, y'all, many of our topics come from Sumo News of the Week. Like, we see something and we go, oh, what's that? that? What, yeah. yeah, what's that? What's, <laughs> what's that story? We're very curious. Yes. <laughs> so I was, like, fishing around in the Taranofuji hole and in that, you know, drum hole. That sounds really terrible. That sounds terrible, but yes. we get it. But somehow, mm-hmm. I ended up on the Smithsonian site and this wonderful story of the May Brigade Riot of 1805. And I'd never heard it before. And so I'm going to tell you this story. May 1805, when the sakura blossoms were in bloom. Well, except for it's not, I thought, as you did, that it was talking about a season of the year, May. But it's not. It's M-E. Oh. So it's talking about a province. Oh. Oh. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it was the spring, though. So who knows? Maybe it was in May. Maybe it was in the May, in the May, (laughs) in the early 1800s. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So first, before I tell you the story, I have to tell you a little bit about firemen in the early 1800s. Yes. Okay. Because this is in Edo, Japan. When everything (laughs) seemed to happen. But this is in the big city that was to become Tokyo later, when every single structure is made of wood and paper. Right. (laughs) And whenever there's a fire... It's a big It's a deal. scary thing. <laughs> yeah. And the firemen, like big gangs of men would come running whenever, like there was a fire. I'm sure somebody would ring a bell and everybody would start screaming and the firemen would come running. And Is the firemen. Is this the big fire? Of... No. Okay. So no, no, no. Another, I mean, there were lots of big fires, but I'm there sure was there a were. great fire. I'm sure there was. Of like Tokyo, like where everything, probably everything just. There's been several. Right. Yeah. 
Yes. Okay. But this is not that one. This is not that one. Yeah. This is not really about the fire itself. (laughs) It's about what's happening around the fire. Okay. Well, okay. So the firemen would come to your house and in the 1800s, there's not like a fire hydrant. Well, right. Right? So these guys come to your house and they're weighed down. They all have jackets that have been soaked in water. And so they're wearing heavy clothes or... They're in a loincloth and covered with dragon tattoos because that was how you protected yourself from the flames. You tattooed dragons all over your body because dragons are creatures of water and sky and they're sort of like a talisman and would keep you safe. But that couldn't possibly be... No, to but... the second you get close to fire, yes, you'd you be would, like, ouch. You would think Why they would am put I wear, two and two together. wearing clothes right. right now? That guy in the jacket that's been in water seems a lot safer than me, yeah. but... I don't, well, I want to see pictures of people with dragon tattoos all over their body. Well, there, there are fo- not photos, but there's artwork of them. Oh, very cool. famous artwork of firemen with dragon tattoos. But they also did not attack fires the way we think of firemen attacking fires today. Rather than going for the fire itself, they would go to the neighboring houses and would pull down all the paper and the wood in the neighboring houses. Oh. That's how they would fight a fire. Just keep it from spreading. Like, we can't save the house itself. Right. Just destroy the houses all around it, and maybe we can keep the fire here, and it won't spread. Yeah, that makes uh, neighbor relations pretty tough. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You have a neighbor who's burning candles on a stack of magazines. You're like, uh, I don't want to lose my house, friend, so please be responsible. So you can understand in this time period, like, firefighters weren't quite... Heroes. I mean, you needed them to come. <laughs> but help if some fight a guy fire. came into your house and just started bashing the hell out of the exactly. place, you'd be like, "What?" <laughs> exactly. You'd be like, "Your neighbor's house is on fire." Like, no. And stop ripping things apart. Exactly. And and also, these guys, I guess, were pretty heavy drinkers as well. So they're so drunk, drunk guys, guys in the with dragon tattoos yes. busting open your yes, house. Yes, that is the image. Okay. okay? So those were the fire brigade. <laughs> Those were the fire brigades of the early 1800s in Japan. Man, okay? Japan was a wild place. It was a wild place. <laughs> yes. So they were kind. Of, they kind of had policing power in the town. They would run around pulling down houses at will if there was a fire. <laughs> but the sumo wrestlers, at the same time, had sort of policing power in the shrines. Right? They had a right. different okay. sort of lifestyle right there's mm-hmm. more of the samurai class and more and, dignified they're not yeah. your average naked tattooed guy coming in your house <laughs> exactly they're a exactly. dignified naked half naked guy so the official story of what happened in 1805 if, as far as we can tell as far as the smithsonian can tell is that it was a spring afternoon who knows maybe in may in may in may <laughs> three firemen probably a little drunk <laughs> I mean, are they drunk all day long? Or we just, Maybe. We just know that there's some... Maybe. Okay, the story's just three drunk firemen. Yes, Sounds three like drunk firemen walk into... into uh, uh, they walk past a shrine where there's a sumo tournament happening. Okay. And they try to go in, like, the side door or the back door, because they don't want to pay. They're firemen. <laughs> and so they're like, I'm going to go watch this tournament. <laughs> And they go bash some houses down later. So they walk in and the firemen are thinking, I am, I am the shiz. 
and these sumo wrestlers should definitely be paying me homage. Like, they should be real happy that I'm here. Because I'm a fireman, everybody. Yeah. I'm a drunk fireman. That's right. In Edo times. And the <laughs> sumo wrestlers uh, were in the shrine having their tournament, and these three drunk firemen walk in without paying and they're not impressed not impressed oh. at all and they're like no you follow the rules you <laughs> should give tribute to us anyway so they end up getting into a big old fight a, a huge brawl uh some firefighter runs off gets all his friends and it ends up Two very famous sumo wrestlers got involved and fought 40 to 100 firefighters in a real battle. <laughs> These huge ones. Now, I will say the Japanese do tend to uh, elaborate a bit. Like 40 like... to 100? You think that's an elaboration? <laughs> like, uh, like who was it, Raiden or somebody? One of the ancient gods of yes. sumo is like seven foot nine yes. and like has the thunder in his feet you know okay <laughs> all could, right yes this could be like it could have been 10 guys versus two but it also could be dramatic in the story it is poetic license it is in the story yes it's two <laughs> famous sumo wrestlers versus 40 to 100 firefighters and in the real story as far as we can tell dozens of men were injured in this brawl one firefighter was killed oh no yes it was a complete blowout in the shrine it was just senseless violence okay <laughs> all over who who, <laughs> who oh, should be paid deference and tribute to right now oh, i i will say at this time in this edo period it is commonly said that fights and fires were the flowers of edo so they popped up like flowers all the time fights and fires so this, Very volatile. Yes. Sort of fits into the idea of the time, okay? But the reason I thought this story was really interesting was because, okay, that's the real story of what happened. But it became a famous kabuki story oh. as well. And the kabuki story was written 85 years later. And in the kabuki story, there's a very clear moral that has been added to the story so let me try to explain it. No fightsies, no funsies. Well, late after, okay, 1805 is the original brawl, and 85 years later, 1890, mm -hmm. Japan has changed a lot. Like, you've talked about the changes mm -hmm. that came to Japan. Yes. A lot. Like, uh, the borders opened up, the feudal system yeah. was, was falling apart. Yeah. And suddenly, all this influence from other Asian countries and even the West. In the West, yeah. yeah was coming into the Japan. Influence. Yeah. And people in Japan were, were sort of losing their identity. Like, who are we amidst all of this other pressure? And they were looking for ways to cement the ideas not only to the national identity yeah yeah who are we what are our values what do we stand for who are we as a people and We're how do we want to just wanna... half naked <laughs> half naked tattooed guys busting down houses that are drunk all the time that's more right. than that that is right okay so in the you know mid 1800s you would go to a kabuki play and they were 
they were really raucous affairs, I guess. It was kind of like going to a football game. People were yelling and screaming, throwing things, and, oh. you know, it was Wherever like a big fan. Booze, I imagine this yeah. is a good time. Probably a lot of sake drumming celebrations, yes. and you have a grand time. So by the end of the 1800s, Kabuki was changing, just like the country was changing, and they were like, let's write this a different ending. <laughs> And not only that, but let's write it a different beginning, too. Okay, so let's just rewrite let's history. Rewrite, yeah. So here's the way they changed that story, and this you can still see this play performed today. It's a very famous Kabuki play. Uh, in the theater version, the story opens on uh, sumo wrestlers having a party at a tea house. Okay, and then they're they're kind of rowdy. Oh. They're no longer in a shrine. They're oh, at a tea okay. house. They're tea house. And they're, okay. they're kind of rowdy. And the firefighters are next door at the tea house also having a little party. Uh, but they can overhear the rowdy sumo wrestlers. Oh. And so there's this chief firefighter, Tatsugoro, who goes next door, politely, you know, knocks and asks them, can you please keep it down? We're having a firefighting <laughs> meeting over here at the tea house. <laughs> And, you know, just your general firefighter get together. Yeah, yeah. House. Can you keep it down? No, in real life, they probably would have already come to blows at right. this point. I mean, hell, the 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 walls are paper. Yes, I imagine they just paper bust thin through the washi paper walls. <laughs> exactly. But in the Kabuki theater version, the this nice firefighter. He decides, you know, to be really, really nice mm-hmm. and try to take care of it. And the sumo wrestlers are the ones that are like, th- like thumbing their nose at him. They Wait, insult who him. Who rewrote this story? Then the firefighters, because it sounds someone like who it really pro firefighter. Yes, someone who really is pro firefighter. Now you'll see more as the story goes along. So but then yes. I guess we're pro sumo wrestlers. So that's the way we, we want to be. We could rewrite. In, we could. Rewi- we could rewrite. The, I can't even say it now. Rewrite. We could rewrite. Rewrite the story. <laughs> ourselves and make it different okay but in this famous kabuki version the sumo wrestlers are the jerks they start insulting the firefighters yada 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 and then this firefighter chief turns the other cheek he goes back to his firefighters Mm -hmm. and he's like you know what let's not start anything let's just be on our way fellas and then he goes home back to the tattoo parlor that's right he goes back home to his wife who then... Of course, he's married now. Yes. He's a family man. Yes, totally a family man <laughs> who listens to his wife because his wife says, oh, you have to defend your honor, husband. Oh, right, so he has the backing of his who sympathetic wife. Who are you? Yeah, okay. who are you if you do not fight for, for your, your honor? honor? Mm-hmm. You just like Karate Kid too. You are the everyman. <laughs> you have to fight these mean, insulting, big sumo wrestlers. Mm. Okay? They're the bullies. Yes. Who are the bullies in this story? Yep. So he goes back to his firefighting buddies and says, you know what, fellas? We really do have to fight. And <laughs> let's let's have a ceremony with some sake and some water. They have oh. this little ceremony. They pledge to fight to the death. Oh. He's a reluctant champion of the everyman, this this firefighting guy. And uh, he, they go to where, they go to a shrine where mm-hmm. there's a tournament happening. Mm-hmm. And then they wait for all of the spectators to leave because they don't want to hurt anybody. Well, right. This is not at all what happened. And they're not in real drunk. Life. Not drunk at all. Not they were just drinking water in this version, <laughs> not sake. I imagine the sumo wrestlers were drinking all the sake. Who knows? They were the drunkards. So the firefighters wait outside for all the spectators to leave. Mm-hmm. And then they attack 
these sumo wrestlers. And the sumo wrestlers in Kabuki, I mean, their costumes are quite hilarious. They're like full-on bodysuits. Yeah. Yeah. And they're padded. And they have, they're like padded with a... (laughs) A mawashi on and they look really big and then there's but the kabuki actors are tiny so they have a teeny tiny head and then an enormous body yes it is That's very odd looking anyway so they attack the sumo wrestlers and in this version of of this fight like each each crowd is using the tools of their trade so the firefighters are using ladders like they <laughs> they run on stage with these ladders and they like move them around they're trying to attack the sumo wrestler and the sumo wrestler picks up benches that the spectators would have sat on they're throwing benches at the firefighters so it's the all out ladder bench brawl <laughs> And then there's always this, it's almost like a dance in which the firefighters, like all these men are jumping up to the roof of the structure of the house without the use of ladders. Like they just jump up onto the roof itself. It's actually like pretty catapulting? cool. Like catapulting? Almost like catapulting, but they do it without any help. They sort of run up. It's sort of like parkouring up the side. It's very cool to watch Ancient on stage. parkour. Yeah. So anyway, they have this huge all out like almost like a Cirque du Soleil brawl that they have like climbing walls without any help and things smashing over people's heads it's this huge fight and then all of a sudden this politician walks into the stage and goes whoa 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 a politician saves the day yeah and says you guys we don't have to fight like this anymore (laughs) all we have to do is go to the authorities and they will help us figure out our problem. Who is him? His his class. So was this written by a politician? End of play. <laughs> End of play. It's the magistrate that comes in and says, we can take all of our problems to the magistrate and we will help you fix them. And they everyone on stage goes, okay. <laughs> Great. So it's a pro-magistrate show. <laughs> it is a pro... It is this a is pro, propaganda. If you... It's a pro, like, don't fight... Don't fight people. Come on in to the magistrate. We'll help you. We'll help you with any issue that you have. There's no need to take there's no need to police each other anymore. That's what okay. we are here for. Okay. And then there's no final song. It's just the end. The end. It is. It is. <laughs> Somebody ran out of time. They got drunk by the end of the they were writing that and then they got drunk. I know who wrote that. It was a fireman. What I think is a re- drunk fireman. Well, what I think is really interesting is that in the retelling, it becomes this whole it's almost like a fighting between class. Yeah. Like the firefighter represents the lower class, the everyman yeah. class, people without much power. And the sumo wrestler then represents this like celebrity, like God-like. Yeah, samurai class. Yeah, part That's of the samurai class. Yeah, who they who, look like. Who are then, have already become the bad guys. Right. By this point in history. And then this political message in the end of, we can fix all our, We're the law the can fix everything. Right. You know, and it's this complete rewrite of this riot that happened 85 years before. Hmm. It is interesting that in both stories, there's not really a clear winner and a clear loser. Like the first, the real story, it just is senseless violence and it just all falls apart. And even when they rewrote it, there wasn't a clear winner or loser. They were like, let's just go get some help. (laughs) Let's just go get some help. (laughs) I'm sure that's the way they sounded. So how's that for a random story of sumo wrestlers? 
pretty random, but I like it. <laughs> I like learning about drunken firefighters Me and too. sumo wrestlers. Me I mean, that's too. legendary. And somebody died. And 100 men were injured, it says in this one article. Terrifying and just terrible. But there are so many Yukioi prints. All of these right? Yukioi prints of, of all of this. So this was a big... To this was a big moment in time for these people. Yeah. So there's a lot of information on this. This is so cool, though. And I'm really interested in, um, yeah, I'm really interested in this. You can see lots of different pictures and, and woodblock, woodblock prints and all kinds of stuff. So go ahead and just give it a good old Google and just be like, whoa, what? It's when the sharks and jets, also known as firefighters and sumo wrestlers, <laughs> duked right. it out in 1805. That's right. Well, I guess that's it for our wacky world of sumo this week. That's right. Thanks for listening. Who knows what we'll come up with next week? Who, yeah, who knows? That is the, just the perfect <laughs> ending. But we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.